This is episode three of the People of Infru. I'm Silver Surfer. I'm joined today with Alex. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. Nice, nice. I know that this is technically 1 p.m. for you and your time, and uh, you woke up about an hour ago. Have you had a chance to have breakfast yet? Yes, I have. Um, I had uh, leftover breaded pork tenderloin from the Chris- the family Christmas party that my parents went to. Nice. And I believe that was the Saturday one. Nice. Um, yeah, there's a Czech restaurant a couple miles from our house. And my family just really likes their bread and pork tenderloin and their chicken noodle soup. So I just had the leftover bread and pork tenderloin. Nice. Nice. You're like uh, teetering that line of when the leftovers is too much leftover. Yeah. Yeah. You're right there, though. I think this is about the last day you can go for it. So you might as well. Yeah. <laughs> well um first question i like to always ask everybody is what do you do bring me through the day in a life of alex so uh i currently am about 10 days out from being laid off <laughs> okay um what i do right now is i help a national news network bring their tv packages and put them into an online format. So I take their, you know, we have a TV package. So I'll take the script and edit it into an article suitable that you can read online. Um, And I'll add, you know, a a picture from maybe the AP or if the reporter themselves took a picture i'll ask them like hey do you have a picture and i'll use that sometimes i just take ap articles and rip them wholesale edit them a little bit to go with the station style and then put those up online but that's what i'm doing right now in terms of what jobs i'm looking for it's mostly copywriting because most of what i had to do at the company before last month was advertising so that's something I have a little bit of experience with. Um, so yeah, it's copywriting, publicist, that sort of stuff. I had a few interviews, but nobody's really uh, taken the bait and said, we want to take a bait. We want to take a chance with this uh, weirdo trans woman who's very, very early in her transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's not the greatest time to be trying to get into that field. Uh, in the first episode, I said, I'm just graduated with a journalism degree. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Godspeed to you on your ventures. Are you um, looking to relocate anywhere? Like in particular, like you just completely open? I'm just completely open. Obviously I'd love to live in a big city. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't drive. So it's not like I can just live out in the middle of nowhere and be completely fine. So, you know, a bigger city, like moving, you know, somewhere else in Chicago or moving to a place like New York or Atlanta or Denver or a place like that, mm-hmm. where it's at least feasible to exist without a car would be preferable. But I'm willing to take a shot anywhere. Nice. You kind of have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to move. All of my professors like through college were like, yeah, if I didn't move three states over, I wouldn't have had a job. And it's like, woo, all right. (laughs) At least for me, um, moving out of state would be preferable just because I want to, you know, strike out on my own and be separate from my family. And almost all of my family is in Chicago. So, you know, there's that urge to, to strike out on your own and, be my own person definitely definitely do you do you mind chicago otherwise not really um i love it here i grew up here i you know this city has a special place in my heart it always will um but if i could exist here and have my family sort of leave me alone perfect yeah that's fair it's always it's like um when you're still around with your family like i mean it's it's nice maybe um but also yeah it's nice also being independent and like 
kind of being cut away from that tie too. It's a, a little bit more free. Yeah. While you've brought it up, you're early in your transition of being a trans woman. Bring me through, you know, your mindset and just um, like, what's that like? Like, that's a very challenging thing in today's society. Oh, it's incredibly challenging. Um, the, the reason I didn't go to the family Christmas parties was uh, I didn't want to be dead named and misgendered for seven hours plus. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex is not my birth name. Um, it was a name I ripped from a video game character. Uh, the main character in the video game Oxenfree. Okay. Um, so I didn't really, I don't want to get dead named and misgendered. <laughs> Getting dead named once really hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to one of the My Morning Jacket shows at the Auditorium Theater, one of the security security people said, oh, have a good time, dead name. And that just, I, I know that that's a customer service thing. You're supposed to, you know, say people's names and whatnot, but that, that just really stung. Um, so obviously I'm going to change it legally to Alex at a certain point. Um, but that, that point hasn't quite, quite come yet in terms of like actually going on hormones that's coming at a certain point. I have a, we're recording this on December 21st, 2021. I have an appointment with a gender affirming general practitioner on January 4th. Uh, and I'll probably have to talk to an endocrinologist because I have epilepsy and I take uh, anti-convulsion medications and hormones and anti-convulsion medications tend to not mix well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to find the balance of how do I get enough hormones that my body makes the changes I want it to versus how do I keep my anti-epilepsy medications effective enough that I'm not having a ton of seizures. So there is that balance that I'm going to have to strike. Yeah, that's um, on top of the challenge of just going through hormonal changes. You have to worry about your epilepsy and that's, that's another challenge all in and of itself. I mean, I have to say like, congratulations and also just that's powerful to be able to uh, finally get to that acceptance in yourself and to be able to make those steps that you have to make. Yeah, I, in terms of acceptance, I, I think the post was on, um, the post that I made on the board was August 15th. And that was, that was the day. That was the day where I was finally, um, I was just texting a friend and I kept saying, after I transition, after I transition, after I transition. And she was like, okay, Alex, you kind of have to admit it. Just, just admit it. And I'm like, okay, fuck, I'm trans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I knew intellectually maybe my freshman year of college. Um, Cause I mentioned these in the afterlife draft when I wrote about uh, the song transgender dysphoria blues by against me. Mm-hmm. And I would have these thoughts, you know, wouldn't it be cool if people just call me Christina for a day and I could wear a dress and makeup and just vibe And that's not a thought that a lot of cis men have. (laughs) So I really knew something was off when I just kept having those thoughts and it wasn't just this one-off thing. It was like, okay, I, I know this is a thing. I don't want to admit it because my family says transphobic shit and it's just this whole thing. And I don't want to admit it because that's a challenge that I'm not ready to face yet. And I just had to kept putting it off and putting it off. And then I couldn't put it off anymore. And it was like, okay, fuck. It was, I just, it kept being, oh, that's a problem for future Alex. That's a problem for future Alex. And then it became a problem for current Alex. (laughs) As it always does. And now I'm dealing with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you're not like out to your family. Uh, I am out to my parents, my sister, and her husband. Okay. I came out to my parents 
the Friday after Thanksgiving. They are trying. Um, my mother is pretty decent at using Alex and she, her pronouns. Uh, my father is getting there. <laughs> um, but the, the, they're both trying and it's, you know, it's a rough transition for all of us. Um, cause they kn knew me as, you know, their son for 24 years and now I'm asking them to shatter and rebuild their perception of who I am, yeah. which is tough for anybody. I mean, and good on you for recognizing that. Like, um, I mean, the, the fact that your parents are trying is, is great. Uh, that's, and that you recognize it's also challenging on them. That's, I mean, that's a good sign of your character and also just your patience with this whole thing in general. Yeah, it's, you know, this is going to be a long process and I would, I, you know, put this to, put it this way to my parents all the time. I would rather have figured it out at 24 than 42. Yeah. I'm, you know, glad that I figured it out now and I didn't keep waiting until however many years down the line. And I'm even more set in, you know, I have a job and you know, maybe a partner and kids and whatnot. I'm so I'm really glad that I'm doing this now when I have the ability to make all these changes with not quite as many consequences as, you know, an older trans person might have. Let me ask you this. Um, we're in, I mean, we're in 2021 now and we just had 2020. Um, so a lot of people, some of the worst years of their lives to most people terrible time but did that time really help like give you what like the space and energy and everything you needed to really be able to be introspective about yourself and then to be able to make this step yeah absolutely um last thanksgiving i hit this this really dark place and it was just one of the lowest points of my life. And that was really the turning point where I was like, okay, there's something off and there, you know, I need to, I need to deal with this. And that was the point where I started, you know, thinking about, you know, being non-binary or gender fluid. And, and initially to the board, I was out as non-binary. And then I made, you know, I came out again <laughs> as a trans woman. Um, but that, that was really the, the turning point. And I don't think that would have happened without the pandemic. Um, as shitty as it has been, yeah. this is, I don't think I would have been forced to confront all of this without it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, um, you, when you, when you really break down what the pan pandemic has enabled for a lot of people, in I think a lot of areas of life, in uh, how you feel about how much you work in your week, how you feel about how you value your family relations, how you feel about how you value your friendships, how you feel about how you value your pastimes. Like when you're given that time to shut yourself in, you can, I mean, like you can really grow as a person. Um, and I don't think that's said enough. I think um, a lot of the focus has been on most of the negatives but i also think a lot of people have probably come out of this stronger it's been a fucking tough journey um but i really do think we've all learned a lot about ourselves yeah you know i'm not the only trans woman who realized she was trans in this pandemic you know yeah. it 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 seems to be a really common theme that when people are when some people you know, we're forced to confront that. They just, they made that transition for lack of a better term. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not the only person who is now on this journey because of this absolutely fucking terrible event. Yeah. Um, and obviously with this new wave, we're not out of it yet. No. <laughs> not at all. Maybe... And it's a lot easier to be able to confront those things and make those changes when you don't have to see everyone every day. Like when you like, I mean, like you're able to think about it yourself. And then for you, I'm sure having in Peru 
a place of generally accepting people helped you a lot too, because that's at, for many people in the pandemic, um, online social circles were their social circles. Yeah, definitely. Um, the first friends I came out to were on discord. <laughs> um, I'm on a lot of role play servers and I had, I've developed this really, really tight group of friends from those role play servers. And it was just like, okay, those were the first four or five people where I was like, I'm a trans woman, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's what I told them. I had already, I'd already come out to them as, as non-binary and said, my name is Alex, but they were the first people where I was really able to go. I'm a trans woman. And they were just super accepting from the get go in Faru, I was honestly a little shocked with how accepting the board was. Um, I shouldn't have been. Um, You're all super accepting and fuck. uh, I trusted enough of you to go into the North Carolina woods and spend a weekend with like 14 of you. Like, so I shouldn't have been nearly as scared to come out to the board as I was. And coming out is just a terrifying process in general. There's always going to be that, that, that fear that, okay, what if these people aren't accepting? Yeah. But I shouldn't have been as, as reticent about coming out to the board as, as I should have been. I mean, it's understandable that you were. It's like you just said, I mean, it's terrifying. It's like, not only is it you having to accept the changes you're going through and figuring out yourself, it's now telling so many other people about your personal life. I mean, most people have stage fright, like talking in front of others. Like this is like, like extremely vulnerable stuff and it's being shared. I can imagine that's tough. And and the, the, the strange thing is, I don't have straight stage fright. I don't. I'm able yeah. to get up in front of a crowd and get up in front of a microphone and talk to people. But I telling people to reconstruct their perception of who I am, yeah, that's terrifying. Yes. You know, even even after even after I came out as asexual to people, um this coming out as trans was just a completely different ballgame because coming out as asexual that's like okay that's this other part of alex we now have to keep in mind Mm -hmm. coming out as trans that's take a sledgehammer to your perception of her and rebuild it so it's just this completely different ballgame it is one of my very first friends in high school uh was a trans man um, his name was, we, we just referred to them by their last name. Uh, and I mean, they didn't come out. I was a freshman in high school. They were a senior. We met through the theater department. Um, and I mean, like they didn't come out for a long time and their parents were like, like out of the closet, homosexual men, like married, have their own house, have raised them, uh, just as a girl. Uh, and it's, I mean, even frightening in an LGBT friendly household, like it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And, um, I mean, so many people also just like throw together the idea of gender and sex, like as it's, as if it's the same thing, like uh, it's just so many things to confront. To be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, I, I will, I will put it this way. My ideal timeline in terms of presenting more femme is that I am comfortable enough to do it at least just one day if shaking these happens, just so the people, the inferu people who are going to shaking these can like see like me as a work in progress. I am that comfortable around the board to the, to the point where it's like, okay, I'm willing to show these people who I am as a person, as like a work in progress, even if, you know, my makeup is fucked up or, you know, 
if I'm if I'm on hormones, I'm wearing this like weird ass shirt and I and I don't fit and it's and I'm like lanky or like somewhere just like the body is just like off that I'm comfortable enough with these people that I'm willing to display that in public. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for being comfortable around us, us fellow roosters. I mean, I've been on the board for seven years at this point. Um, if, if I wasn't comfortable around any of you, I think that would be a problem. Uh, let me ask you this. Is it easier for you to present yourself feminine in front of people you know or like to go order a sandwich at Subway? Um, well, I haven't really ever presented feminine in public is the thing. I'm still, you know, I only came out three, four months ago. Um, and I just really haven't had the opportunity to present feminine because I'm not out to people who might be able to help me with makeup or with clothes or something like that. Um, cause obviously like my mom would love to help me with that stuff, but I'm not out to my grandparents or my cousins who would really be able to really be willing to, to help me with that stuff. They'd just be, you know, I can think of my grandparents and my cousins. Some of them would just be just gung ho about, okay, here's how makeup works. Here's what clothes you should be buying. Here's, you know, here's how here's what deodorant you should be using. Here's what like body wash you should use to even just smell more feminine or something like that. I'm, I'm not there yet. And I don't think I will be for, for some time, at least not until after I have this meeting with my general practitioner, maybe even after I'm on hormones. Um, just cause that's, that's when I'm most comfortable coming out. It's just, I'm on hormones now. You're going to have to deal with this. Um, but yeah, I'm, I haven't really presented femme so much. Uh, I mean, I've used Alex in public. Um, like when I go to Shake Shack, because uh, when I go to the movies, there's a Shake Shack right there. And, you know, they have to ask, what name do you want for the order? I put Alex because they don't ask for an ID. <laughs> so right. it's like, okay, order for Alex. That's me. <laughs> so I definitely feel more comfortable. I honestly feel more comfortable with people who don't know me. Yeah. Uh, when I went to Denver for Memorial Day um, to go visit, to go visit Matt, to go visit KPO, uh, his roommate, was just super accepting of me being non-binary in Alex. Mm -hmm. Cause like he, he didn't know me. Mm -hmm. He didn't know that I had a dead name. Right. And he never, he never saw my pill bottles cause those have my dead name on them, <laughs> but he never saw him. He never had to ask, Hey, who's, who's this? And I never had to explain. So that was really, and I had only started using Alex uh, at the end of March. So that was really the first time I ran in, into somebody who just didn't know the whole story. And I was able to present myself as somebody who was just Alex and he, his roommate just didn't know anybody better. Yeah. And it felt amazing. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm sure. It felt so fucking good to just be called Alex without any of the baggage. I'm sure that plays into why like relocation wouldn't be an issue and why like, like it's just, it would feel so great to move out because you're starting new. Like you could, like, yeah. you're probably in this anxiety riddled, like limbo period right now. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, I'm still in the process of coming out to the people who it's going to be toughest to come out to. Mm -hmm. Obviously my parents were in just beyond belief. I was terrified, yeah. but you know, I still have to come out to my grandparents, my cousins, my entire family, my aunts, my uncles. And that is, 
you know, that's terrifying in of itself. And like my parents, when I came out to them, they were like, oh, we don't want you to be terrified. And I think people who say they don't want to be, they don't want people who are coming out to be terrified have never actually had to come out. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, they don't understand like, like you're asking somebody to, to add that little bit or to change their perception of who, who you are. And that's just always going to be terrifying. There's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think probably what they're more meaning to say is that they they love you no matter what. Uh, and they just want you to feel comfortable around them. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely what they mean, but you know, it's, it was just always going to be this, this terrifying experience because you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's obviously you're going to be more afraid of unknown. If you don't know the answer to something like it's, all every scenario runs through your head and that's never fun yeah especially i have pretty extreme anxiety so i was just running through the absolute worst scenarios in my head i was prepared for the worst for them to like kick me out because you know there was that i had the idea that you know there was this perception and that if they, I changed that perception of who they were, who I was, um, that they wouldn't, it was going to like short circuit their brains and just like, they weren't going to be able to deal with it. And they have been. And that's, I am just so relieved. Even, even if, even if this is a long process and this is, you know, they're not perfect. I'm, I recognize that I'm incredibly privileged to have parents that are as accepting as my mom and dad are. That's awesome. Because not a lot of queer people do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mr. and Mrs. Alex Parker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad that you have that support. Yeah. Let's segue. You brought up Shake Shack. Is that the best burger fast food place? Because I think so. Shake Shack's fucking incredible. Shake Shack certainly has the best shakes. Okay. Like in, in terms of in terms of like nationally available burger places, they have the best shakes. Yeah. In terms of burgers, I still think it's five guys. Okay. Um because I just like love how greasy those fucking things are like yeah they're like a thousand calories just for the patties but i don't give a shit it's just so good (laughs) yeah my problem with five guys has always been the like price like i don't like paying eight dollars for a cheeseburger oh it's incredibly expensive yeah and shake shack is only a little bit cheaper yeah but i can get a fries and a burger for eight dollars at least yeah (laughs) yeah so in terms of burgers and fries frankly it's five guys like i i although i love mcdonald's fries too for whatever reason oh they're awesome they're so awesome so like yeah um it's mcdonald's my ideal fast food meal would be a Shake Shack shake, McDonald's fries, and a Five Guys burger. I have never been in a situation where all three are close enough together that I've been able to pull that off. Because yeah. I I absolutely would. I am the type of bitch who would walk into McDonald's with a Shake Shack shake, order fries, walk out, walk into Five Guys with a Shake Shack shake and McDonald's fries, and order a burger. I don't give a fuck. I would do that. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> Are you a cheeseburger person or just the regular burger? Cheeseburger all the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know how people do it without cheese. I I understand how people do it. I just can't. Mm-hmm. I I I need cheese. 
No, I mean, I'm generally an understanding person. I don't understand hamburgers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) Earlier, you talked about you joined Inferu about seven years ago. How'd you join us? Uh, I went to Lollapalooza 2014, and that was my very first festival. Mm -hmm. Very first music festival. And... um, Obviously, the Bonnaroo 2014 lineup was just fucking cracked. And after I bought the Lollapalooza tickets, you know, I looked at the Bonnaroo lineup and was like, shit, I should have gone to that instead. <laughs> and and don't get me wrong, I absolutely loved going to Lollapalooza 2014. That dog side set changed my life for, for the better. Um but I was like, okay, I got to see if Bonnaroo 2015 is going to be worth it. And obviously the big problem with Bonnaroo for me has always been getting there. It's in the mouth. It's in the out in the middle of fucking nowhere. And with Lala or something like Shaking Knees, it's in a city. Those are just easier for me. Um, so I've never been able to pull Bonnaroo off, even though, um, you know, some of the lineups have been really up my alley. I mean, I wanted to go to what was what was the year with you two? Was that 2016 or 2017? That was I want I wanted to go to 2017 just to go see you two. Yeah. Like, because that is not something you see very often. You see you don't see a band of their size or an artist of their size, even mm-hmm. playing festivals. And that was just a really unique booking. And I don't think it gets enough credit, frankly, um, even though it kind of tanked the rest of the talent budget because <laughs> the undercard was underwhelming to say the least, I but I, it was fine. I, yeah, it was fine, but it wasn't it wasn't 2014. No. <laughs> um which I I guess that's to me that's always going to be a bit of the gold standard in terms of Bonnaroo lineups. Mm-hmm. Like that's almost it's uh Coachella 08 like we're like that is just the gold standard. Yeah. For Bonnaroo lineups. Just because it was so deep and you had those just fucking incredible headliners. I mean, Elton John by himself, there's a reason he was like my first pick in the global draft. Mm -hmm. Just because he's fucking Elton John. Fucking Elton John. Of Especially like now that he's on his final tour, whatever that's going to fucking end. Um, Like this is going to be the last chance for a lot of people to see him. And, um, you know, I, I looked, I looked at tickets for his, uh, shows at the United center. There were like two fifty for, for the cheap seats, yeah. uh, which is a little rich for my blood, but, um, but, uh, you know, he's one of those artists that, you know, I'd pay a lot of money to go see him. Not quite $250 for the cheap seats, <laughs> but I'd pay, I'd pay quite a bit of money. <laughs> Obviously there are those acts where like, I would, if you told me like, this is their last show, I would move the heaven and earth to go see them. LCD sound system is one of those bands. Uh, Arcade fire is one of those bands, even though uh, everything now was <sighs> not great. <laughs> yeah. um, um, somebody like Pup or Jeff Rosenstock, if they announced this is my final show, I would pay several thousand dollars to get a ticket just because yeah. it like, I'm, I'm serious. Like I, they are bands that mean a lot to me. Fleet Foxes is, uh, is on that level. When I, you know, somehow every goddamn year, I listen to a bunch of different bands, and yet somehow Fleet Foxes ends up at number one on my Spotify Wrapped. 
it's always fucking Fleet Foxes. I don't even think of myself as a big Fleet Foxes girl, <laughs> but like, it's always Fleet Foxes. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> They're just always there. <laughs> so like, they're one of those bands where it's like, I would pay a lot of money if, you know, this was our final tour or this was our final show. Like, I would go. Elton John, not quite $250 for the cheap seats. Not quite. <laughs> yeah, I think if maybe his voice hadn't gotten kind of bad and I don't know. If it was maybe like four years ago, he said it was his farewell tour. Maybe. I don't know if this is an almost $300 show after fees uh, for the cheap seats. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. No. Elton John's fucking awesome, but that, I mean, that's a lot. You're not even really going yeah. to be that far away. Yeah. Especially in, especially in a place like the United Center, which is massive. It's literally the biggest arena in the United States. Like, even, you know, just going to Bulls games where it's like, ten dollars for you know for the cheap seats like you're way up there <laughs> <laughs> what's um what's the weather like in chicago today uh it's cold it's cold it's december it it's is. cold it um is. somehow it feels even colder in this house uh like i i don't know how my dad has pulled it off but he has made it feel warmer outside than inside. Um, because he's that type of person who likes the thermostat super goddamn cold. Um, like not even off, just like it has to be set cold. Yeah. He sets it at like, like 61. Holy which to, to me is very cold. Yeah. Like, that's... which like, oh, that's like really cold. <laughs> for like, a... I have to wear multiple layers in the house in the middle of December. Like, I, I, mm, mm. God, <laughs> I've never heard anyone go that low. That's bonkers. Yeah, it's, it's so low. When, um, when Transfer and I were, were roommates together, we had, um, our dorm had like one of those hotel air conditioned things. I was like the box AC. Yeah. Uh, and that only went to 65. Oh my uh, God. Low whatever low meant, which I assumed was just 64. And that's what we, I mean, we kept it at that. It was always freezing in there, but 61 sounds even colder. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty fucking cold. Yeah. I mean, is it snowing yet? Uh, not really. Uh, we usually don't get snow until the new year, until January or February. Um, although with it being like in the mid sixties recently, who the hell knows? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, maybe about a week ago, it felt like it was, you know, April. <laughs> yeah. It just, like, there was that, I think it was like a cold front that just came through and it was like, surprise, it's 60 and there's tornadoes in the middle of fucking December. <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, I just learned uh, yesterday that today is the first day of winter technically yeah it's technically speaking yeah which i that just seems so late to me like it's weird to think that there's only 10 days of winter in december yeah and it is the it is the shortest day of the year um i don't know right off the top of my head when sunset sunset is today in chicago um part of me just assumes it's going to be like three o'clock <laughs> just because it it just feels like that yeah it's a uh, completely gray and overcast here in Atlanta right now. So the sun could be set and I would have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I have uh, like blinds that or not blinds, but curtains that like completely black out. So I have no clue mm -hmm. when, when, when the sun rises, when the sun sets, <laughs> time means nothing to me. I got up at noon I I go to bed I go to bed at like one in the morning two in the morning I time is meaningless <laughs> unless I have to get up at six in the morning to go to work 
Yeah. And by go to work, I mean, roll out of bed, turn my computer on and sit down because I work from home, <laughs> thankfully. Um, so yeah, like uh, time has no meaning. It's uh, it is relative. Time is completely relative. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, your hours of business are later than most, but you get the same amount of hours of business that we all do. Yeah. <laughs> How much has the uh, sunlight blocking curtains helped you sleep in? Um, honestly, not any more that I would have slept in anyway. Okay. Just because my brain is hardwired to be a night owl. Mm -hmm. Like my brain is literally just more active at night. So, you know, if I don't take melatonin, I'm up until four or five in the morning just because that's when my brain is firing the most often. And like, that's when I get shit done Yeah, is my, my brain for some reason at 11 o'clock goes, all right, time to get shit done. Whatever shit happens to be, mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, writing something or editing videos or watching a fucking movie. Um, my brain just goes, all right, let's get it done. Yeah. And if I'm up at like four in the afternoon, my brain just goes, eh, we can wait. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you might find this interesting. I saw like a little bit of like a, a mini documentary once of Picasso's lifestyle. And uh, it speaks to, in my opinion, kind of just dangers of capitalism and forcing everyone to be productive from nine to five. Um, like he specifically had his schedule set out because he, like you had just talked about, you knew when, or he knew when his brain was more productive and would sleep until 11 a.m. and work from 11 a.m. to three and then take a midday nap and then socialize with his friends and then come home and use the second burst of energy to work on art again and then go to bed. And it's, um, I don't know, I wish we had a more freedom to be able to work on a, on a time that our brains actually work better. Like I get up at oh. like 30. I would love to just be done at like 1 p.m. <laughs> oh yeah. Like my current work schedule for what I'm doing right now is six in the morning to 2 p.m. Um, which sucks. Yeah. Like, cause, and just immediately after I'm finished with work at like 2.15, I am out. <laughs> I am just out until, you know, whether that's like four o'clock or five o'clock or sometimes even seven o'clock. Like I take a nap and use that second burst of energy until I go to bed. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely get that. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I I mean, you work from home, like how much, I mean, you just, I guess you just said that you have to wake up at 6am, even though you work from home. Is there um, any leeway in that? Like, could you just say like, can I just start my work later? Or are they like, I, I know you're in journalism, so it might just be like a deadline. Not really. Um, it's not even like a deadline thing. They just want, like, I'm technically filling in for somebody and his shift starts at six. Um, so. I'm just really taking his shift when he's off. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't even work that often. Um, I'm not scheduled for anything this week. I still got my supervisor going, hey, Alex, I saw you online. Are you um, scheduled for anything this week? No, go away. And she's still tagging me and stuff. <laughs> saying, hey, um, Alex, Johanna, gauge like get this all done i'm like no fuck you go away oh, yeah. it's my week off yeah I'm get out of here get out of here go that's their problem uh, i'm also recently i guess unemployed um i quit my job at gamestop a couple weeks ago and I'm, last week i was getting calls from the new store leader like just asking me questions and i was like dude mm -hmm. I don't even work here anymore. Like, wh what the fuck? <laughs> I would be the exact same way. Fuck <laughs> off. Like, <sighs> and, 
and I end on the 31st, January 1st, they call me for shit. Nah, I don't work here, man. Block number. <laughs> Block the number, delete Slack, go the hell away. <laughs> Uh, what do you do? Like, uh, like, do you play any video games? Do you do you write like anything in your free time? How do you how do you spend that? I tend to play video games, watch movies, and write about the movies I've watched. <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of video games, I am a huge RPG person. Uh, my profile picture on Inferu is fan art of Commander Shepard from Mass Effect. <laughs> Um, uh, so I play, you know, Mass Effect. I just bought the three most recent, uh, Assassin's Creed games, um, literally just for Valhalla, uh, cause I, I have, I already have Odyssey, uh, which I've played through twice, um, cause I fucking love that game for whatever reason, um, in all its grindy bullshit. Um, but it was like $30 for the three games and like $15 for the season pass for a haul. I'm like, fine, sure. Yeah. Um, I just bought Disco Elysium. Okay. Which I have not touched. Um, although, uh, my friends who have played it say it's amazing. I'm starting to rebuild my mod list for Skyrim. Nice. Uh, cause I bought the anniversary edition with all of the, uh, creation club content in it, all the, the, uh, Bethesda sponsored mods slash DLC. So I have to rebuild my mob list because of some bullshit with the binaries and stuff. Hmm. Um, I also play a lot of Emily, the show. Nice. And by a lot, I mean, I've put a week of a week of my life into this year's game alone. Yeah. Uh, I play a lot of that game's ultimate team mode. Okay. Like it's called diamond dynasty. It's a lot less bullshit than Madden because it doesn't have like contracts. Okay. Um, like once you have a card, you have that card, mm-hmm. uh, which is so nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a game that I've sunk a lot of my life into mm-hmm. every once in a while I'll return to something like Celeste or Hades, which are just two infinitely replayable games mm-hmm. um, that I both love dearly. Um, and then in terms of movies, I have, you know, I have Netflix, I have the Criterion collection. I have, uh, HBO Max, I have Prime. So I'm really just trying to watch something new every two or three days and then just write about it. Sometimes I get paid, sometimes I don't. Um, mostly, mostly I don't get paid. Yeah. Getting paid is kind of a rarity. Um, but some... For your, like, is it like a blog entry and then someone finds it or? Uh, I mean, sometimes it's, you know, I have my own blog. I have a letterboxed, um, which is like a, it's kind of like a rate your music, but for movies. Okay. Um, and mostly it's, I put it both on there and on my own blog because my letterboxed is under Alexander Parker. My other blog is under my dead name. So the blog is the version that my family sees. The letterboxed is the version that everyone else sees because most of my writing at this point is under Alexander Parker or Alex Parker, mm-hmm. uh, some variation thereof. Um, so mostly it's, you know, I'm writing on my letterboxed just for the hell of it. It's a couple hundred words about whatever I've seen. I try to keep a mix of it of, you know, newer releases and uh, older movies, which the Criterion channel is really good for. That's the Criterion Collections streaming service. Uh, obviously, HBO Max is also really good for that because they have Turner Classic Movies. Uh, Netflix has, you know, its movie of the week. Um, and then obviously I go out to theaters, you know, 
almost as often as I can. I have the AMC A-list service, so I can just pick three movies uh, and get those quote unquote for free. Um, Usually I try to do all three in a single day and just go to the AMC that's about five miles from my house and, and just mainline whatever movies I want to watch. It's a long ass day. Yeah. It's I can, the most I've ever done it is uh, I did the AMC best picture marathon in 2019. Or I guess that would have been early in 2020 because it was the year parasite one. And they have, they have two, two versions. They have one where they split it over two weekends and they have one where you just watch all of them in one day, (laughs) all of them, except for the Netflix movies. Uh, So that year I didn't have to sit through the Irishman in a movie theater. Um, and marriage story. Cause it came out to eight movies in like 17 hours. Cause they just keep going. There's maybe like a 15 minute break in between movies. There's a couple, one, there's two that are like actual like meal breaks. And those are maybe hour an hour and a half. Okay. But otherwise they just keep going. Wow. They're like, you have, you have your assigned seat. You sit in that thing. It was amazing because there were maybe a hundred, hundred seats in the theater. Everyone was full and watching, you know, watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Parasite with this packed crowd that was just so into it was just one of my favorite theater experiences ever. So, then obviously um, I went to Cannes this year. Wow. Uh, I, I talked about it on the board a bit. Um, I saw 15 movies over four days. Um, so I can do like three or four movies a day mm-hmm. and be, be fine. So you may have some other things, but you don't have an attention deficit disorder. Uh, oh, no, I do. I do. Oh, wow. I, you don't, you don't, you don't see it. I have a fidget cube in my hand right now. Um, with a napkin. <laughs> yeah, I, I always, I always have to play with something. I'm at movies. Like if I'm in a theater, I can sit down and focus. Okay. Um, Cause like that is just my entire attention span is guided toward that one thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not one of those people who's on her phone. You know, I, I turn it off, put it away. Once, once the movie starts during trailers, I'll be on it. But once, cause there's like 30 fucking minutes, yeah. but like once the movie starts, turn it off, put it away. Um, but when I'm sitting at home watching something, I gotta have a fidget cube. I gotta, sometimes I'll even be watching a movie and playing and be the show because somehow I can focus on both pretty well. That's fair. Like I did that last night and I could still tell you everything about the movie I watched and like very little about what happened in the games I was playing because like it's just super repetitive and those just blur together. Mm-hmm. But like the movie, like that was my, that was something like, like that keeps my attention. The game is more so something that like my hands are like at the controller and they're just doing something. Right. Cause it's mostly my hands just need to be doing something. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely have an attention, an attention problem. <laughs> Sorry for the assumption. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. It just, I definitely have, yeah, have a problem. Do you, um, uh, so, I mean, it, it seems to be you prefer film to TV show. Yeah, I am not a huge TV person, honestly. Um, the last TV show that I watched with, I mean, obviously I've been watching um, the MCU TV shows. Hmm. Um, because my friends, when they were first up, uh, my friends and I would stay up until, what was that, two in the morning? Um, my, my like really tight-knit Discord friend group, because it's me, I'm in, I'm in Chicago, another friend is in the central time zone, one is in Mountain, one is in Pacific. Okay. So we just stay up until two in the morning and just all watch it together. 
Um, but the last TV show I really can remember watching with any sort of regularity was the Watchmen miniseries. Uh, and that was like two years ago. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge TV person. Um, I mean, I watched I watched Tiger King and the Queen's Gambit, but that was more um, so I could talk, so I could be up on what was popular in pop culture rather than me actually wanting to watch the series. Okay. Um, like I haven't, I still haven't watched Squid Game. Like I just haven't, I have no interest in it. That's fair. So yeah, I'm far bigger film person than a TV person. I'll, I'll be honest about Squid Game. I loved it, but I mean, it's not, it didn't really do anything super special for that genre. Like it is, it is your classic dystopic story. I, don't know, I mean, it was definitely good. Yeah, it definitely it definitely seems like a very basic story, but very well executed. Yes, yes. Uh, which which is absolutely fine by me. Like, I love those types of stories. Mm -hmm. I I will take a very basic story, very well executed, and I will take a story that you know swings for the fences narratively, but kind of flops rather than something that's just mid <laughs> like i like i will take something that's just okay i know where this is going but if it execute if it does it well like i'm completely fine i'm along with the ride that's fair um yeah. but yeah i'm just i'm way more of a film person i i movies were my first love even more than music um uh one of my first memories is going to see spirited away in the theater and um my and chickening out when the parents turn into pigs and just little four-year-old me going nope and walking out and my parents having to um what so my mom had to sit with me and my dad watched the movie with my sister and for whatever reason you know my parents raised pretty much raised me on ghibli films nice um and Spirit Away remains my sister's favorite. I've still never seen it in full. <laughs> I've still never seen the entire thing. It's the one Ghibli film I have not seen. It's, um, I can talk to you a little bit about Ghibli. I'm not like super well-versed. I've seen uh, Totoro. I've seen Spirited Away. I've seen Howl's Moving Castle. And then, um, the witch one. Um, anyway, uh, they are good and beautiful films. I, my one problem with them is I, I always just get like, um, I guess checked out would be the word. Like it's, yeah, they're very I can, I can definitely see that. They are really slow paced. Yeah. Um, although I can definitely, I can definitely take a slow paced film if things happen. Like if there's things happening on screen, like, and that's definitely something that happens with Ghibli films. Like, yes, things happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like Castle in the Sky is my favorite. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Um, I definitely put it in like my top 10. Um, but yeah, like I can definitely see why people would be turned off by Ghibli films. Is that your only foot in the door of anime? Um, Honestly, not really. Um, I am much more of a, obviously I'm much more of a features anime person than a, um, than a, you know, series person. Uh, like I watched uh, The Night is Short Walk On Girl without any context that I, it was even um, like tied to a TV show, yeah. <laughs> like there, like I will watch like the the features for anime TV shows without ever knowing they're tied to a TV show, and like some of them are really good at at like giving the context of yeah. for somebody who has never seen the TV show. Some of them are really bad. And obviously, like, there's the standalone ones that are just narratives unto themselves. Um, but, yeah, I I know a little bit about anime, but I'm, 
not as well versed as somebody who obsessively watches, you know, anime series instead of features. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, one thing in anime features that's cool is, or maybe not cool, depending on, like in my case, I I, I kind of like it and dislike it is a lot of the the movies do not take place. They take place in the universe of the TV show, but they are not canon. Like the movies didn't actually happen in the TV show, um, which always is like weird to me. Like you'll go see a yeah. movie for an anime and then you'll come back and watch the series and it's like, the character is way less powerful than he was in the movie and like doesn't have any of the same stuff they just learned and all that stuff but makes it easy for people like you who can just go watch the movie (laughs) i mean obviously like i want to get into watching anime series because a lot of my friends (laughs) watch you know my hero academia dragon ball z you know um uh full battle alchemist something i've never seen i've never watched cowboy bebop okay um which is has always been on my list. It's like, okay, I should get around to Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Should get around to it eventually. I swear, I've been saying that for ten years, and I've just never watched it. Um. So yeah, like it. I I've always it's been that thing where it's like, I want to get into watching anime series. I've always said I do, and I just never get around to it. <laughs> no, it's fair. It's hard to take that step. Um. Cowboy Bebop in particular, I'll go ahead and tell you, you might already know, but it doesn't have like a centralized plot. Yeah. um, Which might make it easier to digest, especially as like a Ghibli film fan or just a movie fan in general, you can just go watch an episode and then chill out and then go watch another episode and just get a story from the universe, uh, which is nice. I'm going to take this time. (laughs) And I don't know if I'm ever going to have the topic of anime come up in these interviews again. I have been wanting to plug JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to Inferu for so long. Oh my God. Because <laughs> like, it's not, I mean, I love it. I fucking love the show. But what's so great about it is like all the characters and like the random like things that they're after are named after musicians. And so like right now I'm watching season two and like the big jewel that they're after is the Redstone of Asia named after the Steely Dan album. And, oh like, my God. God. Like, like shit like that like it's just like awesome like the enemies are named like acdc and cars and um fucking uh every uh there's a uh speed wagon is like a character like it's uh like it, i don't know it's just so much fun they end the every episode with roundabout yeah that's that's like most of what i know about jojo's is literally for memes yeah 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 yeah, like, I'm not, I mean, I like the story. It's fine. It's good. But yeah, if you watch it, watch it for just like go into it like you're enjoying a superhero or like a Marvel film. Like you're not expecting the greatest uh, plot or anything, but it's fun as hell. Like it is just incredibly enjoyable. And the art is so cool because it's like neon almost like it's just lots of bright colors. And it's interesting. It's interesting for sure. God, plugging JoJo's fucking in for that. Well, I guess you've done it now, now that you've put it. <laughs> Now that you're gonna put this up. <laughs> I can cut that. I don't know. I just I've always wanted to. Like I feel like they would like it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's at least one person on this board who would really enjoy it. And it's me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. It's one person stay. other than you. <laughs> it just stays only me. I go through this like telling everyone to watch it. No one watches it. And <laughs> that's fine at least i tried (laughs) (laughs) one final thing for you do you have any shows or anything lined up over the next year that you're excited for or just maybe even movies that are coming out like what are you looking forward to in terms of concerts i have tickets to uh the pup show at the riviera theater in march i have tickets to the lord show in chicago um and i have uh, I have Shaky Knees. Nice. I have Rage, which I think is in July. The King Giz show, which is in like October. Um, and I think my dad still has the Rammstein tickets. Nice. Um, in terms of movies, I am super excited for more people to see a movie called The Worst Person in the World. 
Uh, I saw it at Cannes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's directed by Joaquin Trier. And it is, it's my favorite film of the year so far. It's honestly, I think I have it in my top 100 all time. Um, just because of, I mean, one, it's a fucking fantastic film and I can't wait for more people to watch it. But it also just hit like, I'm like I saw it on like the right week. Like uh, just because of certain plot elements that are there and just the basic concept of the film. It's about, it's a romantic comedy about a woman in her late 20s and early 30s trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. Boy, doesn't that sound fucking familiar. Yeah. Um, so I, I absolutely loved it. Um, that's coming out in mid-February in the States, I want to say. Um, so I'm super excited for people to see that. I'm also excited for a little bit closer, Licorice Pizza. Um, I haven't seen all of Paul Thomas Anderson's films, um, but I will definitely see this one <laughs> um, at some point. I don't know if I'll see it in the theater just because of pandemic and uh, Omicron stuff, but I definitely will see it. Uh, I think The Matrix drops tomorrow, and I'm definitely seeing that on HBO Max. Um, so yeah, there are definitely movies that I'm excited for. Uh, I just watched Nightmare Alley. I just watched Spider-Man. Um, so yeah, there's definitely movies that I'm excited for in terms of stuff that's like coming out or, uh, sort of platforming in the next few weeks as, um, as, you know, Oscar season ramps up. Uh, I just signed up to film independent which allows me to vote for the independent spirit awards and i'll get a bunch of screeners in order to watch a bunch of the movies so i'm super excited for a bunch of those because what's nominated is like 10 percent things i've heard of 90 percent things i haven't nice. so i'm super excited to see the things i haven't watched <laughs> awesome so we've got two suggestions from today's episode. One, you'll have until February to watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And then two in February, you get to watch it was the worst person in the world. Yeah. Awesome. It's called the worst person in the world. Awesome. So keep that in mind, everyone. Any imparting words of wisdom from our Alex Parker? Um, I, I, don't, I don't really have any. Um. Just try to be try to be accepting of people, and thank you all for being so accepting of me. As I've gone through two names and three gender identities in the last like year. <laughs> thank you for being so open with us, and thank you for hopping on today's episode. This was episode three. Thanks for joining me. You have a good day. <laughs>